Hey there guys and welcome back to the Travis and Damien podcast episode 26. We are available on anchor.fm slash Travis Damien podcast along with iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and many more. Today we're going to talk about the general news uh, including the PlayStation State of Play along with some Twitch signings and then we're going to talk about our recent activities then everything about the game awards from the winners to the announcements etc. So first thing we're going to talk about is the PlayStation State of Play that happened on December 10th which was nine days ago. Um, I actually caught the later half of the show because uh, I was at work, and then I caught it when I went on break. Right. And there wasn't really much, again, like most state of plays. Yeah. Um, the only notable thing was the Kingdom Hearts uh, DLC, along with Resident Evil 3 getting officially announced because that was leaked earlier that week. Um, but outside of that, you know, there were like some indie titles and things like that. But, you know. It is what it is. State of Play is kind of just like their sort of thing. Yeah, but there was also the new Platinum game, the uh, Babylon Fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, besides that, that yeah, there really wasn't much, <laughs> like, at all. Uh, and it's just, like, with these State of Plays, like, I feel like they always have, like, nothing. Or, like, we already know that a thing is coming out already. Like, a lot of people already knew the Resident Evil 3 remake was going to happen already. So when this got revealed, it was like no one was really... Like, people were excited, but it wasn't, like, a big surprise. And and I brought this up in the last state of play, but, like, play, I feel like Sony doesn't really have, like, good surprises because we already know what's going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like a direct where it's like, oh, here's, like, Breath of the Wild 2. And it's like, whoa, dude. Or here's, like, some Smash character. And like, whoa. Um, Sony doesn't really have that with these. They kind of just, like, here's some games, and then there you go. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like uh, the state of plays, Sony's not really using them the way most people think that they should be using them. Uh, I feel like that they should maybe t- be take more notes from Nintendo and that sort of thing. Um, but obviously, Nintendo has had a lot of like bad directs as well. Yeah. Um, but every single state of play has been kind of bad in my opinion. Yeah. Um, not one has really stood out to me or been really memorable. Um, but... You know, it is what it is, because uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the announcement that they wanted to do for the State of Play were shown during the Game Awards, so. Yeah, like, I'm sure once the PS5 actually comes out and people start making, like, games again, like, I'm sure, like, the, the State of Plays would be better. Um, since we've only been getting them in this weird downtime where it's, like, the end of the generation and, like, no, um, like, no big studios, like, making anything for the PS4 right now besides, like, Sucker Punch and, like, um what you call it, Naughty Dog. Like, those are, like, mm-hmm. the last few games for the PS4. So I, I'm guessing maybe next year or the year after is when we'll start getting some good ones if they continue doing this. But I don't know. I guess we're going to have to see about that. Because right now, yeah, State of Plays are kind of a waste of time. So Yeah, because I believe there was, like, a little news article that was out that was, like, every single PlayStation 5 game is going to be exclusive to the PS5. Like, they won't have, like, a PS5 release along with a PS4 release or something like that, which right. I was, like... That's a little interesting, uh, but hopefully that'll be okay for sales. Yeah. All right, so next we got the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. Um, so, you know, obviously this is in the 80s because we got we to gotta keep milking the 80s like love over here. True. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it looks good. I, I, was a, I was a pretty big fan of the first Wonder Woman. Um, I feel like it kind of lost itself at the end. Um, I won't spoil it, but I feel like... It had something there, and then it kind of got a little stupid uh, at the last fight. But I, I, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. It was, like, it was an enjoyable DC movie. And, uh, I mean, DC's been doing pretty well now. I mean, Shazam was good. Uh, Joker was good. I like Wonder Woman 1. And from this trailer, it looks like it's going to be, you know, kind of the same. It looks like it might not be... Like, to me, like, the, the 80s aesthetic, like, it's fine. 
But I kind of like the World War One style that the first one had. That one seemed more interesting to me. But um, I don't know. I feel like they could do some cool things with the 80s. But I don't know. It feels kind of like tired out at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it still looks like enjoyable. And if it's good, I'll watch it. But you know, I'm not the biggest DC fan. So if it's just okay, I'll probably see it at some other point in time. But you know, but from what I've seen, it, it looks fine. Yeah, uh, the '80s aesthetic, like you said, has definitely been milked a lot uh, yeah. recently, uh, which I'm okay with still. Uh, but I could see why a lot of people are getting tired of it because it's been done in so many other things, you know, like Stranger Things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but Wonder Woman 1984, it looks good. Um, I'm relatively excited for it just because she's the one. A character within the justice league that actually got a good solo movie yeah um so hopefully that this is pretty good um i kind of forgot that chris pines was in the movie again but uh, hopefully they explain that decently well yeah um but yeah i'm i'm excited for it yeah again uh like the, like i feel like wonder woman was like sort of the only good dc movie for a while until you know shazam and uh joker came out so if they could keep that sort of same quality, then I guess I'll be okay with it because I thought the first one was pretty good. So, yeah, as long as they don't like focus on the whole like cinematic universe thing, because I think they've, yeah, they've been trying to step away from that, which is good, um, and just you know focus on just making good movies. Yeah, good because that cinematic universe ain't working, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. All right, so now we got Bayonetta and Vanquish. They are coming to the PS4 in a 10th anniversary bundle um, on February 18th, 2020. So I think it's a good idea to bundle these together because I feel like most people would just buy Bayonetta and just call it a day. Um, but yeah, it's nice that they are coming to the PS4, um, and it's only going to be forty bucks, I believe. So and then it'll come with a theme and stuff like that, uh, and I think it's going to be in a steel book. So uh, and one thing that I saw on Twitter is that I can't believe people are still this dumb. I'm not sure if this is like kids tweeting or whatever, but like guys, they can't. They can't do anything with Bayonetta 2 because that's going to stay on Nintendo consoles because Nintendo published that, guys. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's nice seeing that Bayonetta 1 is still getting love and that it's coming to the PS4. I I might pick it up depending if if I have the extra income. Uh, But yeah, very, very cool that they're re-releasing it. Yeah, I think it it does look really nice. I really like the disc and like the the steel book and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, I think Bayonetta 1 is is pretty good. Obviously, 2 is like way better. Um, but yeah, uh, Bayonetta uh, 1 is, like, very good, and I'm glad it's getting, like, remastered on the PS4. And Vanquish is still need to play. Uh, I know that's, like, one of the weirder ones where it's, like, you know, it's basically, like, a platinum game, but you have, like, a gun. So it's, like, it's really weird. Um, so yeah, no, it's cool that they're both releasing, like, together in, like, a like a double pack here. So yeah, I might pick it up, too. Uh, I'll see. I, I mean, again, like, Bayonetta 1 was... It, it's good, but I, I don't think it's as good as 2, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind playing it again yep all right so now we got we got more of these the streaming wars here so now uh, <laughs> twitch has signed for dr lupo tim the Tapman, and lyric to like have exclusive uh exclusivity for twitch right so like they can't like go anywhere else mm-hmm. um so yeah like obviously you know this has been an ongoing story for the past like few months with mixer and, st- and facebook gaming now um so yeah, now it looks like Twitch like, really doesn't want to lose like their bigger people, and like these are, I mean, like Tim the Tatman's pretty big and Lyrico, so so like you know they they definitely like don't want to get them like snatched away from Mixer or whatever. Um, so it really seems like Twitch is really like buckling down here. It's like all right, fine, we'll start we'll start buying streamers off too. <laughs> so yeah, 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, Tim and Dr. Lupo, I'm familiar with more of Tim. Uh, I don't watch much of Lyric, but it is definitely very interesting that Twitch finally realized that, wait, we're fucking losing people. Maybe we should, you know, lock these people down. So they did. Um, and it is going to be very interesting to see who else stays and who else abandons ship because Twitch, um, it's not the most solid streaming platform, but then again, it, it's the most popular. So you kind of have to stay there if you want to keep your numbers up. Um, cause you know, people like Ninja, Shroud, and even like Toast, like their viewership plummeted like exponentially, uh, especially Toast. Like I think he... Last time I heard was that like he had like less than 1k on Oof, Facebook gaming. Yeah. So like obviously that sucks, but like you know he's getting paid to stream exclusively on there. But also he's he's streaming to people that actually want to watch him like really really bad. Yeah. So you know those that's like his dedicated fan base. So um, you know numbers aren't everything, and you know it's not the numbers on his stream; it's the numbers in his bank account. So yeah, I was gonna say like you know he he they wouldn't do this if they didn't think like they they knew their numbers were gonna drop super hard, but the money that you know Facebook or Mixer or whatever company you know they got bought off by, um, you know they they probably like weighed that decision and was like okay well I'm I'm still gonna make more money if I moved here by signing this deal so it it doesn't really matter so yeah yeah definitely yeah it's not okay. just some blind thing. But yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our recent activities. Yeah. Okay, I'll let so you go first. I will go first. So I have been playing a lot of different things actually. Um, I've been playing Luigi's Mansion Three. Um, it's very good. Um, it really does. Like, all right. So for Dark Moon, right? I wasn't a big fan of Luigi Mansions Two. Um, no, Dark Moon. I think it's mostly just because the controls. They just didn't feel that comfortable for me, honestly. Um, I feel like that was a trend with a lot of, like... like I love the 3DS, but I feel like some games didn't really, like, have the right to be there. Like, uh, Kid Icarus. Like, I love Kid Icarus Uprising, but, con- like, playing that game just hurts. Like, and I love it. Like, it's, like I, I hate that. I, I want to like it more. It's just that the controls just hurt my hands. And I felt like Luigi's Mansion, also, um, Dark Moon, just felt awkward. Um, and... I, I didn't really mind the multiple mansions, but I kind of, like, preferred the one mansion from Luigi's Mansion 1 just because it felt more connected. Um, Luigi's Mansion 3 kind of, like, has a nice in-between where, first, the controls, you know, feels exactly how it did in 1, plus you have a bunch of other stuff. You know, you have the, um, a lot of the mechanics from 2, like, like the flashlight, you could, like, flash it and, like, you know, stun the ghosts. So it's not as awkward like it was in uh, Luigi's Mansion one way, like turn off the light and then flash it on. No, it works like um, it works like how it did in two. Uh, and you also have some abilities from two, like the the the, the dark light thing where you could like uh, you could uh, materialize like objects in the in the world and stuff like that. Um, but they also improved uh, some things in this game. Like you have like this ghost slam thing. So when you're catching a ghost, when you're like sucking them and things like that, <laughs> if you press A after like you like after this bar fills up, and you press A, you could like slam the ghost on the floor, and it, just, it makes combat like really quick and easy. Um, I know some people saying this game is pretty easy when it comes to like the combat and things like that, and that's true. But I feel like it is more snappy and like it feels quick to like kill ghosts, and, and it's fun. Like I just I love slamming the ghosts on the ground and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in terms of the level design itself, yeah, it's like it's one mansion or I guess hotel in this game. It's one hotel, so that's cool. So that's like you know Luigi's Mansion one, where it's like one thing, but it kind of also fits in with the Dark Moon thing, where each floor, like after a certain point, each floor kind of feels like its own thing. 
So like I did one where it was like, oh, this is like a, like a grand ballroom or something, or this one's just like a medieval castle type thing. So it kind of fits in with both Dark Moon and uh, Luigi Mansion's one's like design philosophy there. So that's pretty cool to see, and it, I, I think it's, it it works for the best because um you got a nice variety of different locations, but it still feels like you're in like the same location if that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, um, also the graphically, I think the game looks fantastic. Like the animations on Luigi are so good. Like when he gets scared and stuff, it just, it looks fantastic. Like I love it. Um, the visual humor is really good as well. Um, it just has a lot of personality and I, and I love it. Um, the only thing I guess, the only main problems I had with the game are just like little things. Like the game has a really weird physics engine. Like everything like moves around and stuff. But that can lead to some weird glitches where things just get stuck in each other and, like, it just looks funny. It looks like it's from Gmod or something. It's really weird. <laughs> uh, but it, that's not really a big deal. Most of the time, I just laugh about it. Um, and, yeah, the game is a bit easy. Like, the puzzles are pretty easy compared to Luigi's Mansion 1. And, um, again, the combat, it's a lot faster and I think it's more fun than the other two. But, again, it does feel a lot easier just because you have, like, that ghost slam thing. So... But besides that, I think the game is fantastic. Like, I think it's probably right now. I'm not even done with it, but I feel like it is my favorite uh, Luigi's Mansion game so far. They did a really good job with this. Um, next, I played Psychonauts that you got me. I didn't know uh, they had like a Pog. limited. Yeah, I didn't know they had a, a limited <laughs> run uh, version of this, which is really cool. Yeah, I, actually, fun fact: when I was visiting you in uh, Florida, I yeah. actually just bought it when we were at the uh, hotel or whatever I oh really like, i'm gonna buy myself a coffee and i'm gonna buy him a coffee okay and not tell him <laughs> so uh, i i love it you know all right so let me just talk about psychonauts in general psychonauts is great i love it it's a great platformer you know it has a lot of great writing you know just a lot of personality uh great level design and powers it's great um and you know i think i talked about psychonauts before when i you know i, I played the game like twice or every it is like my third time playing and i want to plot it now um mm -hmm. The only issue with the PS4 version, I don't know if you actually played it or not, but this no, is I a all right, so this is a direct emulation of the PS2 version of Psychonauts, right? So that that's not a big deal, you know, if like games do that like a straight port. Problem is the PS2 version of Psychonauts isn't great. I didn't know this either. So like when I first played Psychonauts, I played it on Xbox, right? Like I played the OG Xbox version and then played the Steam version. So those run fine. Apparently, um, it wasn't meant to be a PS2 game, but they kind of forced it to be. And you can kind of tell, like, the game, like, graphically looks, like, a lot, is, like, downgraded. The lighting is very weird. And the frame rate, like, the frame rate isn't bad when you're in a level. But when you're in, like, the main, like, hub world, it, like, goes, like, below 20. It's, like, I'm, like, oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, it's still, like, it's still playable in, like, the levels, which really matters. So you don't really do anything in the hub world. Like, it's a great hub world and stuff. You know, a lot of things to do. But, you know, um, it doesn't really matter that much. Um... Uh, and, and you know the limited run case is really cool. Like I, I don't know where my OG like Psychonauts case went. I don't, I don't even know where that is anymore. But um, you know the case itself is cool. I really like. You know they have a little. They don't have an instruction manual, but it's like a little thing to look like one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. And I could get plat in it, so that's good because I like game plats. But um, you know I, I would suggest if you are gonna get Psychonauts, I would probably suggest the Steam version. One is probably cheaper because uh, when it's on sale is usually like a dollar. So like, I would probably suggest that um. Or like the Xbox One version, because yeah, the PS2 version is isn't great, and it sucks. Because I don't know why they didn't just pull the Steam version for the other two remasters, but whatever. Um, it's still a great game though, and I love it. So, and I'm, I'll gladly play it again because it's great. <laughs> um, so next, uh, Shovel Knight King of Cards finally came out. So this uh, this was supposed to come out like a year ago, but they kept delaying it. Um, 
And I could like I could see where the delays came from because they added a lot of content in this. Um, the the other like three Shovel Knight uh, campaigns were like maybe four hours or something, uh, maybe five max. This one took me like ten hours. Like it it was like so much content in there. Like it, it's insane. Um, the amount of levels like like doubles like what it was in Shovel Knight. Uh, like one. Uh, Plague of Shadows and Spectre Knight like it's just like it's just so much stuff and my dog is scratching the door <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah like there's just so much content um, that is, is, is crazy like, the amount of different levels and gimmicks like almost every single level has its like own like gimmick and stuff like I, I like it, it's crazy like how much like like uh, just mechanics it could fit into like this game like you could tell they were like really pushing like this engine around and I'm kind of glad Yacht Club is going to make something different now because um, yeah I, I can see them like wanting to uh, try something different now because <laughs> I, I feel like there's nothing left like there's nothing left to do with this like game anymore um, also they, they, another weird thing with this game that some people might like or hate is the, the card game there's like this card game called Joustice I, I think it's fun. It works a lot like Final Fantasy VIII's Triple Triad, where you kind of just push cards in like a grid and stuff like that. Um, and it, it, it's not too hard once you like start playing it because you can have cheats and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But um, what was I gonna say? It, it can get very difficult if you don't have like good cards or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I think. Uh, I'm like losing my train of thought because my dog would not stop scratching nah, the it's door. All right, man. It's all all right. right, but um, what you call it? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. I, I think the game is worth it. You know, you get it for free if you have the if you already bought Shovel Knight. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun. And then uh, actually, I forgot to write this here, but uh, I also watched Steven Universe feature because that came out as well. Uh, hold on. There you go. Alright, sorry. Uh, but yeah, I watched the universe feature, uh, and it's really good. I get um, it takes right after the movie, so if you didn't watch the movie, you should probably watch that. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it does a good job following up with uh, Steven Universe and stuff like that. Uh, again, it takes me right right after the movie, and um, it does a good job like following like Steven's like sort of. Uh, I, I, he's going through different like stuff than the original one did, where he just wants to be friends with everyone. But now, like, it's like, oh, that doesn't work all the time. And I, I kind of want them to do this plot point forever. So I'm glad they're finally like covering it because it's like it was sort of an issue I was having with the finale and even in the movie. I thought the movie was good, but like I thought they really needed to like like change that. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's really good so far. I think it was only four episodes, but. Um, uh, I didn't watch the last two, but yeah, no, it was really good. Um, actually, you want to talk about your stuff real quick? I, di I didn't get my dog out of here yeah, for man. a second. Yeah, man, you can let him in. It's whatever. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> One second. You, you can uh, talk for a second. I'll, I'll be back It's all quick. good. All right. I'll keep the guys entertained. So, as you guys know, uh, I always play League of Legends and TFT, so I'll talk about that briefly. Uh, so, I played a little bit of League. Uh, not that much, but it, it's still the same preseason patch. They just dropped a patch... For it's like side B of the patch. It's not a lot. They like buffed Alistar and some things like that. I haven't played on it yet, uh, but the main thing I've been playing has been uh, TFT, and TFT is actually kind of fun. I'm kind of enjoying TFT now, uh, mainly because uh, I'm still trying to like rest my wrist injury, so I'm just playing TFT to like let things you know simmer out, sort of thing. Um, and yeah, TFT's 
kind of fun. I wish I played more of it during the first set because I feel like the first set was a lot more fun and it had more champions that I personally liked. Um, but set two for TFT is still, it's still okay. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm still playing League of Legends and TFT and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about your last thing? Yeah, we can talk about my last thing. That's right. <laughs> all right. So all good. I have read the Life is Strange comics. I read the, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Dust. I think it was the yeah, first volume. It's the, uh, so initially they wanted this to just be dust. The first four issues. Yeah. And then they saw that a lot of people liked it and it did kind of well. So they'd made it a ongoing comic. So uh, every single arc is four issues. So y you just read the first arc, which pretty much uh, takes the ending from Life is Strange 1 where it was like, you sacrificed Arcadia Bay to save Chloe. And it shows what that would have been like afterwards. Yeah. Sort of thing. So I, I thought it was a, a fantastic. Like, I feel like if you ever, you know, it doesn't really matter which ending you really do at the end of Life is Strange. One, uh, spoilers for Life is Strange 1, by the way. But, um, which guy doesn't. so old, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it came out in 2015 or something, or 16, like when it ended, but um, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it doesn't really matter what ending you choose to do um, because it kind of fits in with both, uh, which I like. Um, so, you know, it doesn't really matter if you sacrifice Arcadia Bay or save Chloe. Like, this ending kind of, like, touches on kind of both since it has, like, this weird, like, like timeline thing, which is cool. But uh, I think it does a great job giving closure to both of the characters. And, um, it, again, it just feels like a good conclusion. Because I know a lot of people, like, at the end of those endings didn't really... Mostly the Chloe ending. Like, I felt like they just, like, Arcadia Bay is destroyed and kind of just drive out of there. And I'm glad, like, this ending, which follows that ending, um, it kind of shows how it really messed with them. Like, you know, because it's not an easy thing to go through where it's like, yeah, you hold, the whole Arcadia Bay got destroyed and it's probably because of Max. And then, like, Max is going through crap and then... Same thing with Chloe and stuff like that. So I think they did a good job handling that situation. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, when they go back to Arcadia Bay and then they're just like, you know, looking at everything and then they're having this like, I guess, flickers, they were calling it, where she was like sort of jumping to like different like realities and things like that where, you know, because I think that Max wasn't supposed to belong in this timeline where Chloe was saved and stuff like that. So she was sort of, like, going through, like, these different realities and stuff where, you know, certain things didn't happen. Like, one where Warren, like, survives the, the you know, the diner exploding and stuff like that. Or uh, Rachel was alive and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it gave a really cool, like, you know, it, it still dealt with the time stuff. But also dealt with, like, just, like, ending the closure with Max and Chloe where, you know, they were talking at the end and then, you know they you know kiss and things like that and it was very cute and things like that so <laughs> um but yeah i thought i thought it was really good closure um for just uh for the uh mostly for the ending for the chloe um ending because again uh i feel like that ending didn't really have enough to go on it that's why i, I like the uh saving arcadia bay and they kind of touch on that too where it's like oh chloe's like oh maybe you made the wrong choice and things like that um so yeah, I thought I thought it really helped that ending in particular, but I felt like either ending you did, I feel like this just strengthens the story more. Yeah, definitely. And like the uh, later arcs, I've read every single issue up until now. Yeah. Um, except for the one that recently just came out. Um, but the you know the story just get you know pretty good because it's just Max and Chloe, and now Rachel's in the mix. Yeah. So and that, that's a cool yeah that's a cool dynamic because you don't see that in the in the main game you don't you never see Max and Rachel interact ever because you know she's dead because <laughs> um, then before the storm you know you see the relationship between Chloe and Rachel but you don't really see it between Max and her 
So again, and I feel like that was a major issue with Life is Strange One. I really liked, you know, the first game, but I feel like Rachel was kind of a really underused element. So I'm glad they're really like upping her character with both before the storm and now the comics. Whereas like you know, you really get to feel that she was important to Chloe and all that stuff, and now you get to see more of her character in this comic, or I guess in the upcoming issues I haven't read yet, and the um, before the storm. So yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I thought I, I just thought it was really good. I also really like the uh, the artwork and stuff like that's really good. So, yeah, definitely, really good team behind this uh, comic. Yeah, and again, I think it's better than Life is Shame too. But you know, <laughs> that's just that's just how it is. It's just because Max and Chloe are you know more memorable characters. Yeah, they are. I, I just I just like them more. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. you know Chloe could be a little diverse, like you know, kind of controversial. Um, yeah, I like. I didn't like her too much at first, honestly. But I felt like she really grows on you because you know she grows as a character and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, this comic it was very good. I think again, if you are a fan of Life is Strange one and want more closure at the end, then read this. It's very good. Yeah, they sell it in a uh, graphic novel format. So yeah, if you just go on Amazon, type in Life is Strange Volume One. Yeah, then it's the first result. It's called Volume One Dust. So yeah, if you want to pick it up. All right, so let's go back to me. Uh, I got a lot of shit on my table, so I'm just going to try to go through these kind of quickly. Played a little bit more of DMC5. Not a whole lot, but I did play more of it. It's still, you know, a really fun hack and slasher. Uh, But the game I just recently started up that I did not expect me to start up uh, was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I've been on this, you know, Star Wars hype train because, you know, Rise of Skywalker comes out tonight, technically, which I'm going to go see it. Um, But... Jedi Fallen Order. I bought it because it was $40 on Best Buy on like oh, Sunday or something nice. like that. So I was like, I'm going to buy it. And then, you know, after work, I picked it up. Uh, and then the following day, I, uh, I popped it in and played it. But the game is pretty good. Like, there are some performance issues. Like, there's like a lot of frame drops and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe it's just because I'm playing on the it, regular PS4. Yeah. Um, my brother actually has it on the PS4 Pro. And he said, while it still has frame drops, it isn't as bad. Like, I heard the base models of the Xbox and the PS4 do have some pretty big performance issues. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm just like, wow, that's, that's a lot of frame dose, but I can get through it. It's fine. Um, because the story that they're setting up is pretty interesting. The gameplay itself is also pretty fun as well. Like, I've never played a Souls-like game personally. So playing a game like this where I can't just hack and slash my way through the enemies and I actually have to like parry and dodge and do all all of this other stuff is pretty fun and a lot more engaging and I can see why people like these kinds of games. Uh, But so far I'm like three hours in um, and I'm enjoying myself so far. Uh, Then I watched a couple of movies. Marriage Story, it's the one on Netflix with Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Uh, that movie is really good, um, and it is sort of like a more of a Oscar sort of movie. And since it is on Netflix, a lot more normie people are going to watch it because <laughs> they either like Scar Joe or Adam Driver, and there's a lot of controversy and talk about this movie, this and that. Um, but you know, it's it's just a really solid movie. Like when you like think about it, and like it, like just watch the movie. It's like really really good. That's all I could really say. Okay. Uh, Daniel isn't real. This is a indie flick. And I didn't know much about it going in other than it's a psychological sort of like horror movie sort of thing. Well, not like horror, but like it's a psychological thriller is what I could best describe it as. And it's pretty good. Um, Did not expect it to be as good as it is. Uh, I did read some reviews that didn't like it as much, probably because they're much more of a movie critic than I am. But personally, I really liked it. Uh, Daniel isn't real. I didn't really hear much about it until... 
uh, our friend Louis showed it to us, and I was like, all right, I'll watch it. It looks interesting. So then I watched Frozen 2, obviously, you know, because why the hell not? <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> I feel like this movie shouldn't really exist because <laughs> it really doesn't do anything, honestly. Like, just watching the entire movie. Uh, all right, so first, there was a Twitter meme about Olaf being, like, five foot four or, like, six <laughs> foot. So, like, the moment I saw Olaf, that's all I could think about. I was like, holy shit, this guy's, like, six foot. <laughs> so, like, how tall are, <laughs> how tall are fucking Elsa and Anna? But anyways, um, the movie itself, I feel like it it doesn't really do much, like, honestly. Like, it just... It just exists to sell toys and do all of this other stuff, bring back the Frozen hype train. The songs in it are actually, like, pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Like, when I was watching the movie and, you know, these songs started off, I was like, you know what? Some of these are all right. The ones with Olaf, I'm not a big fan of. But you know what? The rest of them are not that bad. Obviously, Let It Go and, you know, How to to Build a Snowman are are just classics when it comes to the Frozen, uh, you know, franchise now. Uh, but Frozen 2 did have some pretty good songs as well. Uh, and then getting into some Star Wars stuff, The Mandalorian. I haven't watched uh, Episode 7 that just dropped, but yeah. I've watched every single other episode, and it's still really, really good. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, you know, uh, just, I guess, wait for your Disney Plus subscription, or if you already have one, what are you doing? Just watch it. Even if you're not into Star Wars, like, just watch the first episode, and you'll probably get, it, get a kick out of it, especially if you're into, like, you know, the other, uh, you know, you know action sort of shows or i whatever. mean it's like a western i mean it's very good episode seven was so good yeah watch it it's really good <laughs> uh and then i decided to watch the force awakens and the last jedi because i am seeing the rise of skywalker later tonight uh and i saw those i believe two days ago or something like that but anyways the force awakens i still really really like despite it being you know pretty safe and all of this other stuff it's still like a pretty fun and enjoyable film uh, the Last Jedi, I have not seen it since it came out, which was like two years ago. Right. So this one was definitely a very interesting experience for me to you know jump back into it and see exactly how my opinion has changed. Um, and it hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, probably a little bit more on the negative side because I forgot uh, the one part of the movie that's just really, really bad. Um, and it, it is still kind of bad. Um, at first when I watched it, I was like, eh, it wasn't that bad. But now that I rewatched it, I was like, yeah, this part is kind of bad and kind of halts the movie a little bit uh but there's a lot of flaws with the last jedi and this is a flaw within this star wars trilogy is that they didn't really have like a good roadmap as to where they wanted to go they kind of just let the directors did what they want so like jj abrams set the first movie up and then they had ryan johnson step in for the last jedi and he kind of did what he wanted and now jj abrams is back in the third movie trying to finish it all off Right. And supposedly it didn't work out all that well. No, it so. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh this is just what happens when you don't, you know, plan things ahead and stuff like that. So if they decide to do another trilogy, which they might, they sh- they're probably going to plan things a lot more in advance cuz it felt like, you know, they were just, you know, writing scripts and whatever, you know, the directors wanted to do for a said movie instead of like, you know, this is a trilogy and this is all going to connect with each other. Uh, but still, I really like both The First Awakens and The Last Jedi. Uh, then lastly, My Hero Academia. Are you all caught up, Damien? I'm, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but... Yeah, I'm all caught up. Okay, but the show's really good now. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, they did all of those like build-up episodes, and I was like, damn, you know, like this is, this is taking a while. But then once it finally gets into it, I was like, holy shit, let's go. Yeah. I, um, oh, yeah, go on. 
and like you know the past like two three episodes i've been like really really solid and i've just been super excited to just watch my hero again yeah i yeah I, I, again this i i hear a lot of people say this season is very good or at least in the man, uh, manga the uh i heard this arc is very good uh but it was very slow like you know it did start very slow there's a lot of setup they had to do and i usually uh most of the my hero arcs so far didn't really have a lot of setup maybe they had like an episode or two of it but it was mostly just like hype all the time mm-hmm. like, especially the last arc where it was like you know the when the last season started it was just like two episodes and like a giant major fight and it was amazing this one took quite a while to really get to that point but i felt like it was still enjoyable and now it's really paying off with the last two episodes being like extremely good and even then like some of the previous episodes are great as well just like in a slower way but yeah i think now the season is really getting like its stride and like now it's like you know not just non-stop action every episode and it's fantastic like i, I love it it's great so yeah definitely all right, so let's get into the Game Awards. Uh, we're slightly late on this, but whatever. Uh, so first we're going to talk about the winners and then the big announcements that were shown off during the event that I think we're both interested in that I put in this document. Yeah. So first I'm just going to quickly list off all of the winners uh, that interested us in particular. So Game of the Year and Best Action Game went to Sekiro Shadows, Dies, Shadows Die Twice. Uh, best Game Direction and Music Size Score was Death Stranding. Uh, best indie game and best RPG and best narrative went to Disco Elysium. Best art direction went to Control. Best audio design went to Modern Warfare. Best ongoing game went to Fortnite. Best action game, DMC5. Best fighting game, Smash Ultimate. Best family game, which was the Nintendo category. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Best sport slash racing game went to Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Best multiplayer game went to Apex. Best esports player went to Buga. Best esports game and event went to League of Legends. And best esports host went to Shox. So... First, let's talk about Game of the Year, because yeah. I did not expect Sekiro to win, honestly, because uh, it came out really early, like earlier this year, like in March or something like that. And for it to actually, you know, still be like, you know, considered for Game of the Year and actually to win it all was very, very interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, it caught me off guard, too. Like, I don't know, I expected Death Stranding to win just because if you, you know, I'm, I'm not throwing shade at Death Stranding, but it definitely does feel like Oscar bait, like the game. Like, you know, I really <laughs> felt like it was going to win. Um, either that or Smash, honestly. I feel like Smash probably had a good shot at it. Um, but no, Shakira won it. That, that really caught me off guard. Like, I know it was a good game, but um, after it came out, I didn't hear much about it. Like, I know it was really good, but um, I don't know. It just caught me off guard. Even Resident Evil 2, if that won, it probably would have been... Uh, I would have not... You know, I would have been okay. But not... I'm okay with this winning. It's not like I'm mad at it or anything, but mm-hmm. um, I just didn't expect it is all. It was like kind of the least thing I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, I forget exactly who else was in the Game of the Year category, but Sekiro was not <laughs> on my radar in terms of winning it. Yeah. So, um... Uh, and then, I mean, Death Stranding only, only winning two awards is a bit surprising as well, because, you know, uh, I know that Kojima and, uh, what's his name, are really close friends, the person that, like, hosts the Game Awards. Oh, uh, Jeff Keighley? Yeah, yeah, but... That would obviously would have been too biased if, you know, Death Stranding just went home with everything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm actually surprised it won less than it did. Like, maybe it would have been too on the nose. Like, even like, you know, Kojima's like, hey, throw me in some more awards. I, mean, I don't know how <laughs> this works, but um, I guess what it won is fine. You know, best game direction and uh, best music and score. I mean, best music, I don't really know about the music and score about Death Stranding, but I also forgot what was in that category, so I can't really say anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess there you go. Death Stranding. Uh, but it wasn't the one that won the most. Uh, Rewards. Yeah, Disco Elysium. Yeah, Disco Elysium actually won the most. It won Best Indie Game, Best RPG, and Best Narrative. 
Uh, so that's good for them. It seemed like the devs who made this game are were really happy to win all these things. Like, you know, they got a little emotional and things like that, which is always nice to see. You know, you don't really see that too much with the AAA people because I'll thank you for the award. But, you know, when a when an indie person wins it, you know, it really, it really does mean a lot. I know people always discount the game awards. And, you know, it, it could be kind of hard to, like, see it as a serious thing. But for some people, it really is. So it's really nice that they were able to uh, pick up so many awards and stuff like that because, you know, it probably means a lot to them. So, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely very cool. Uh, best fighting game went to Smash Brothers, yeah. which low key I was kind of not expecting that, but I was like, I don't know any other game on this category, so um, hopefully Smash wins. I mean, I was either thinking Mortal Kombat or Smash, and Smash won it. So I mean, I, yeah, I was probably gonna win because it's like I know some people say Smash is in a fighting game, but you know, it's like <laughs> I mean, what else is it? Like, yeah, like I know it's like I, it could be many things. So I, I think it deserves the best fighting game at least. You know? Yeah. Uh, then the other categories. I mean, League of Legends winning best esports game and event was kind of surprising to me. Despite me playing the game a lot, I was kind of just like, hmm. Yeah, we got some heavy, heavy riot bias. Like, like I'm not saying <laughs> bias, but like you know, like Shocks won a host esports host, and then esports game and event went to League of Legends. Plus, there was two league announcements in this uh, game awards that we'll cover later. I'm like, damn, riot! Like <laughs> going hard. <laughs> so yeah. But I think everything else was kind of fair game. Yeah, everything else was fine. I mean, best ongoing game should have been Final Fantasy fourteen and not Fortnite, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm not salty about that or anything. Yeah, <laughs> everything else Fortnite, is fine, though. Fortnite's super popular. And, I like, I honestly didn't realize it until, like, more recently because I work in, like, retail or whatever. And, like, parents just buy Fortnite stuff for their kids, and it's just everywhere. You know, Fortnite shirts, uh, the the uh, V-Bucks or whatever, the uh, toys, etc., <laughs> right. etc. Et I'm just like, Fortnite's super popular, and I'm just I'm just amazed and kind of glad that, you know, a game can be this popular these days, you know? No, yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, I'm not, like, you know, I like Fortnite. It's just, like, I don't know. I felt like Final Fantasy fourteen was better. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just my opinion. It doesn't really matter. Of course, of course, of course. All right, so let's get into the announcements. Uh, so they hit us with a big one. Yeah. Uh, the Xbox Series X. So the next generation of Xbox is just going to be called Xbox, supposedly. That's so stupid. Uh, and, <laughs> and the uh, Series X part is just uh, their way of being like, hey, this is like the first model of it sort of thing. Um, but anyways, Xbox Series X as a, as a title is just really weird. Like, I don't know what Xbox is doing with their naming department. Like, you know, they started off good with the original just yeah. Xbox. And then they went to Xbox 360, all right, then Xbox One, and then it's like, oh, oh, okay, and now they're like, all right, now it's just Xbox again, and we're like, oh, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah, like, it's so stupid, like, I hate it, like, what, <laughs> just keep, like, a, like, I don't understand what they're doing, now it's just Xbox again, like, I don't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, basically, it's everything we kind of already knew, like, you know, faster Xbox, I mean, the thing looks like a PC tower, like, it just... It's like a PC, yeah. but for, like, console play. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's going to get a new controller. It's going to have advanced D-pad from the Elite controller, which um, I never actually played with the Elite controller. My brother has one, but uh, I don't know. I guess they're cool. It costs a lot of money, though. Um, yeah. It, but, <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, accessories are also going to be backwards compatible with the Series X. I think I don't know if games are going to be backwards compatible. I think they're aiming for that or oh, something okay. like that. Uh, at the bottom of this article, they're trying to make it so you could play generations of Xbox games. I'm not sure if it's going to be direct compa- backwards compatibility with like the disc and stuff, but yeah. maybe with like you know Xbox Game Pass and like the digital market, this and that. Um, 
but yeah i mean if you spent like a day on twitter after this thing was announced you saw memes of like fridges and yeah. <laughs> other things like that like you know the new generation of xbox like obviously microsoft is the first one to announce everything but then again this gives sony a chance to you know take a step back and think about how they want to announce stuff like this is just this is exactly what happened during e3 2013 when xbox was like yo uh no used games you have to be online this and that and then that like spokesperson was like if you want to play xbox but offline we have that it's called xbox 360 and then i think he got fired or something like that but anyways and then you know playstation went on and, and then they were like used games uh you know you don't have to be online this and that um so hopefully sony's able to you know snap back um obviously like i don't care you know if sony wins or not because obviously like i was ps4 during for most of this generation uh but that's just because xbox kind of just shot themselves in the foot and also xbox doesn't have as many games yeah it's like a entirely different discussion but depending on which console is better in terms of like actual games hardware etc etc that's the one i'm gonna go for because like i was an xbox 360 kid back then it's just that you know things have changed this and that but xbox one or xbox series x whatever the hell um capable of 120 frames per second along with 8k resolution realistically what i'm thinking is that most games are going to be 60 fps and 4k yeah but you know 4k is still like relatively new yeah i was gonna say 4k is already pretty new like 8k is just kind of overkill like we don't like who cares i think 4k would be a good uh to aim for and just having 60 fps for every game is like that should just be the bare minimum at this point uh you know for Mm -hmm. newer games so yeah, I think these are good like standards that they want to abide by. But again, the problem with the Xbox, like I guess Xbox Series X, whatever you want to call it, is just that I don't really see any like need to get it because you know they're really friendly with you know PC people now. Like you know if I just get like I need to upgrade my computer obviously, but um if I could just get like these same specs and like you know I could play PC stuff and Xbox stuff, I, I still see no reason to get an Xbox ever. Since, you know, you could just play a lot of things uh, with the Xbox store on PC, you know? I, I, I just see no reason to really get an Xbox if you have a PC, you know what I mean? Unless you just don't yeah. want to, like, spring for, like, a expensive computer or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. but as a PC player and, like, you know, I play all the consoles, basically. But I, I felt no need to get an Xbox One this generation just because microsoft was one they didn't really have many games and two you could just play them on pc anyway so like again if they're gonna do that next generation as well i see no reason to really get this thing you know yeah and like with most people even like kids and even like adults like ourselves adults quote unquote yeah um you know it's just a matter of what your friends have yeah so i think people that are gonna be like ah yeah we'll just stay loyal to you know ps5 or you know you know we'll still be on xbox or whatever you know like they're gonna do what they want to do and you know both consoles are definitely gonna thrive in that way just because of that's how people want to do their gaming uh you know just buy a box and then just set it up whatever um but you know xbox series x i'm interested to see if they're actually gonna bump up the exclusives or not because like you said they are extremely friendly with pc so yeah you know that's just another thing to not necessarily, you know, worry about, especially if you have, you know, a PC console switch setup, which I think most people have. Um, but I digress. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, if you have a PC, a PS, like any PlayStation or any Nintendo console, you're basically fine. Like you can play whatever at that point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, again, don't really see much point as a PC player to really get this thing. But, you know, it's good for everyone else. <laughs> so, yeah. 
so next we have the game announcements, um, which can like you know this this was there were a bunch of weird announcements because um, a lot of them just didn't show much. Like most of them were just CG trailers or just concept things. Because um, you know we're we're very early into this next gen, so we don't really know what to expect. So this was kind of our first glimpse to see what's coming up. And the first game to really do that was I I, I think this is the first PS5 game to ever be announced, right? I uh, believe so. Yeah, officially announced. So this is Godfall. Um, it's made by not Gearbox. It's published by Gearbox, but it's made by someone else, and it's advertised as a looter slasher, which. Personally, I, I'm all for, you know, like, I love looter games, and, you know, a, a lot of looter games are, like, gun-based, you know, like, Destiny, Borderlands, things like that. So, having maybe, like, a third-person, like, sort of action game with swords and crap be, like, a looter, I, I'm down with that if it's good. And, um, yeah, it's advertised as a PS5 game, and you get on the Epic Game Store, oh boy. So, yeah, you could, uh, <laughs> you could do that. And, again, it was just a CG trailer, so there's not much to really go off on based on what they told us but yeah i think it looks pretty cool but again we don't really know yet so yeah i mean a looter slasher that's just you know a branch off from the looter genre which is pretty cool yeah um so a looter slasher that is definitely going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because i think that's more my alley because i do like hack and slash games a lot more than shooters right moving on we got no more heroes three so when the trailer initially started i was like what the hell is this yeah <laughs> yeah but and then it, it eventually transitioned into you know travis touchdown and all that stuff and i was like oh okay now now i'm on board no more heroes 3 uh and it's supposed to you know still be slated for 2020 exclusively on the switch mm-hmm. so it's definitely going to be very very cool uh to see what the game looks like when it finally you know when we finally get more info pretty much yeah i'm hoping by either some direct or e3 we finally see some gameplay for it because uh you know I, I still haven't played the original no more hero like we had no more heroes one and two i just never played it uh, mm-hmm. i hope they do like a re-release on switch i would love to see that um maybe in a direct one day because I, I would like to play the era uh, no more heroes one and two before three comes out but you know from what they showed it looks crazy just like how would i would expect from suda 51 and just like no more heroes in general so yeah i'm, I'm excited for it so yeah all right. Yeah. So next, we got this really weird trailer, if you want to even <laughs> call it that. It's called Prologue. It's from the devs of uh, PUBG. Um, and yeah, it just showed like the woods, I think, right? Was it like the woods? Let me check it. Like, it was just like. Yeah. It was like nothing. It's just, <laughs> it's just Player Unknown's uh, next game, and they were like, hey, it's called Prologue. And I'm like, that's a really interesting name. Uh, but how is the game going to be played? It's just a new game that they're making, and we don't know anything about it. Um, it's probably not going to be in the battle royale genre, but it could be anything, really. So yeah, like, yeah, this didn't tell us anything. I highly doubt it's a battle royale. Like, I, I mean, I don't really see why they yeah. would make one at this point. But um, mm-hmm. it seems really dumb as to why they would make another one. Yeah, especially since you know they already have a pretty successful one, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, but moving on, we got two League of Legends announcements. So the first one they showed off was the Ruin King, which is supposed to be a RPG. Yep. And the game is being developed by Airship Syndicate, which is a indie developer, I believe. Uh, no, wait. Yeah, they're pretty much a indie. Yeah, developer. I never heard of them. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, they're right 
Forge was announced a couple weeks back, and now we're finally getting, you know, some trailers about which games that they are developing or, you know, letting go through as, you know, League of Legends games. So this is going to be pretty cool, especially to those that are really invested in the League of Legends lore, because they've been doing this for a while with, like, comics and, like, other, you know, things on the League website, this and that. So this is in development for console and PC. So uh, my main question is, you know, price point and, uh, you know, how will the game look and play out? So Yeah, since, you know, these are all made by different developers, you know, Riot Forge is just the publisher, obviously, so these games can range in quality. So it kind of just depends on when you start showing gameplay. But yeah, it is very exciting to get like a turn-based RPG with like Riot, I mean League of Legends characters and stuff like that. So that's really cool. And they also announced another one called Convergence. Uh, is it going to be an action platformer with like, I think Echo as like the main character. So yeah. that could be cool. You know, you could do a lot of cool, weird time stuff with that. So um, yeah, I think that's also a very neat concept they're doing. Again, uh, they didn't really show anything besides like just like, you know, here's like an image and things like that. So <laughs> I'm hoping we get to see gameplay soon. And I don't think there's no release dates either, right? There's not like 2020 or anything like that. No, I highly doubt I it. Think, I think they just announced them. But yeah. I think with this one with Echo, I think it's going to be in the in like a 2D platformer yeah. action adventure sort of style. Like, you know, like Guacamelee or like any of those other games that kind of look like that. Um, so this is going to be very interesting to see how this one plays out, especially since I think me and you are both, you know, big platformer junkies. Yeah. So this is going to be very, very fun to see this one, especially. Yeah, they got uh, both of my both of my genres, platformer and RPG over there. So I'm, I'm happy <laughs> with that. Okay, so next announcement was Ori in Will of the Wisp. Yeah. Uh, there was some gameplay actually shown off, and this is supposed to launch on May ele- or March 11th. Uh, 2020. Yeah, so. my birthday, and it's Pog. like, it's uh, I mean that that's kind of a horrible date because this thing is squished between like Final Fantasy and like some other like everything is coming out March, so that's a pretty horrible <laughs> date, honestly. Uh, I hope it sells well, just because there's so many big games during that month. But um, I, I mean I'm excited for for this game. Like, I've been excited for this game for like two years already. It's been like and like like it feels like 43s at this point. Like I just wanted to come out. Um, if you don't even know what Ori is, it's basically a Metroidvania, basically, but more emphasis on platforming. The main issue that I had with the original game was the combat was awful. Like, you just press X and, like, your little ball thing shoots, like, things at things. Like, it wasn't great. So the big emphasis it keeps showing in all these trailers is the combat. Like, they really, like, made sure to make it look a lot flashier and just, like, better. And it looks like they've been doing a great job on that. Same thing with the bosses. Like, they keep showing, like, big bosses and things like that. So that's also a big improvement from... Or one where there wasn't really any bosses. It was mostly like platforming challenges, which is fine. But um, I think the game definitely did need a better combat system and some like better bosses. So I'm glad that this game is addressing those issues. And like the game just looks like gorgeous, and I can't wait for it. Oh, it looks it looks really good. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the game definitely looks really really good. Yeah. So next we got Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, they showed this. They did like a weird like teaser thing at the end of the. Uh, PlayStation State of Play. It's like, oh, stay tuned for the Game Awards, and this is the other half of that. Um, so basically, we just saw the trailer for it, and it got a release date of summer of 2020. So I got another 20. I, I, yeah, I don't, this is the first time they showed it, right? Summer 2020? I don't think it had a uh, release date. I believe date. so, yeah, like a release window sort of thing. Because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have any idea as to when this game was coming out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the game, well, like, this trailer looked like it was all in-engine, yeah. which... Uh, the game looks pretty good um and 
uh, it's kind of hard to tell exactly which or like what kind of gameplay style this is. It's probably going to be like a Souls-like sort of thing. Yeah. Again, because that's just becoming, you know, super, super popular. And I could see why uh, after playing Star Wars. But yeah, I'm pretty excited for this game just because I'm a huge Sucker Punch fan. Um, and the fact that it's set in like feudal Japan sort of thing is very interesting as well. So yeah, no, the game definitely does look uh, really interesting, and I, you know, I've been interested in this game since they first shown it. You know, again, Sucker Punch and great developers and things like that. So I'm very excited to see how it does. So yeah. Okay, then we got two more announcements. Uh, we got Gears Tactics, which is pretty much uh, Gears of War. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gears of War XCOM. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, I believe like the second spinoff within like the Gears of War series. The first one was uh, the one on Xbox 360 where it was like a prequel, and that one didn't oh, do so well. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No one liked that one, right? I think it was Gears Judgment. Yeah, or something. Gears Judgment. Uh, yeah, that game did not do so well. Um, but Gears Tactics, uh, it's obviously in a completely different genre so i wonder how they're going to expand the gears of war sort of like story with this game uh but gameplay wise you know it looks just like xcom you know yeah. the strategy <laughs> game so if you're not good on the uh you know the third person sort of like shooting thing uh, now you could use that brain of yours and try to you know get your way through that i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah again i'm you know i'm not the biggest gears fan i mean you know i play i think i play like one and two but you know not, i wasn't too invested in it but uh you know, uh, this game looks cool. I, I love the new XCOM games. You know, one and two were fantastic. So, if that, if that, if it, if this game could be like that, then I'm okay with that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, it looks good. Uh, but I think, it's, uh, yeah, it's probably gonna come on PC yeah, as well because you know, it's advertising a 40-hour campaign. Oh so damn, that is right. very interesting. Yeah, uh, and it's supposed to come out April 28th, 2020. Yeah, so, so I get another again. 2020 is like just way, <laughs> way too many things coming out. And it's gonna be great. Um, and next we got this was a surprise to me. Uh, Wolf Among Us two got reannounced since yeah. uh, you know they announced <laughs> it before Telltale died, and now it's back. So that's fantastic. You know I I played the uh, Wolf Among Us one like maybe like a year before they announced the second one. I'm like this game is very good. And I can see why people want a sequel because it ends in like a cliffhanger sort of. Um, but yeah, now they're making a sequel, and then they didn't, and now they're making it again. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, pieces of Telltale are slowly being resurrected. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it sucks that the studio went under the way it did. But it is nice to go and see that this game especially get, you know, re-announced. Because I know a lot of people were greatly disappointed once again that this got canceled. Yeah, so. it, it was pretty disheartening to see to see that they were making it finally and then they closed down. It's like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That definitely sucked. But... Alright, so now we're going to talk about our favorite games, or games we played this past year. Um, so, I forgot to mention it in the beginning of the show. But anyways, so I'll go first, and we're just going to jump back and forth uh, and quickly talk about our games that we played this year. Right. So, the first one is one that we both played, Life is Strange 2. Um, the way I would d- describe this game, uh, just very quickly and very briefly, because I could honestly talk about this game for a while, um, is that it's a game that I that is good but it's also like kind of bad because there's some bad elements to it as a life is strange fan because because it is a sequel you can't you know dismiss the first game entirely you kind of have to look at this game as a follow-up to it and the follow-up to it gameplay wise isn't all that great because 
the first game just had that rewind mechanic where you could see both choices and also the story itself because you're constantly moving to mexico uh you never really get a chance to like you know fully embrace these characters and see how they actually interact with an everyday environment outside of episode one um and on top of that you know just like the characters of Sean, Sean and Daniel, it was just hard for me to get invested into them compared to like Max and Chloe where it was like this murder mystery sort of thing that was going on. Um, but yeah, that's just my very brief sort of like review of it. It's a good bad game is how I would describe it. Yeah, I basically agree with that. Like um, just like bouncing off. I, I felt like Max and Chloe just, they just honestly have more development and like they just grew better together than uh, Sean and Daniel, which is weird because Sean and Daniel are brothers. And I feel like their relationship probably should have been a little tighter than it actually was. But I just felt like I cared more about Max and Chloe at the end of Life is Strange 1 than I did uh, Sean and Daniel at the end of Life is Strange 2. Um, again, just the overarching plot with the whole like uh, murder mystery type thing. And like just like the more emphasis on the powers and things like that, it just made the first game just way more interesting than the than the second game. Um, so yeah, that again, that's also my opinion. I, I am pretty let down from Life is Strange too, but um, I say uh, hopefully if they do make a Life is Strange three, it sticks more. Now, obviously, they shouldn't just always make it like the same exact thing like Life is Strange one, but it should probably aim for that style again. I guess I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, but yeah, it was kind of disappointing for me as well yeah it's just you know the fact that they wanted daniel to have the power was a hindrance on gameplay um and the fact that when we were playing the game there were like kind of big gaps between episodes i honestly forgot who sean and daniel were going into episode three i think mm-hmm. um and i was like who the hell are these characters again <laughs> yeah. like what is their name um but you know like it is what it is hopefully uh don't nod you know take some of the actual criticism that's being thrown at them and you know take it for heart because you know if they just keep looking at the positives you know they're not gonna learn much from it you know like this isn't a terrible game by any means and i'm i'm, I'm not gonna downplay any anyone that thinks that this game's great or even like their game of the year it's just that for me personally you know life is strange one was just a much more solid game despite you know performance not being up to snuff as to what life is strange 2 is you know just like gameplay and story-wise it just didn't meet the mark for me yeah same all right, so I guess uh, games that I have played. Well, I guess I'm, you know, we're going back and forth here. So, and you could talk a little bit about this one too. Was uh, DMC Five? So I played the whole series before DMC Five even came out. You know, I knew I kind of wanted to play it because it looked great. So, all right, let me play the other ones. And you know, DMC One, you know, it was getting there. You know, it was like, you know, it was played more like a Resident Evil game, just with a little more action in it. Uh, DMC Two was awful, but uh, DMC Three <laughs> and Four were both like fantastic. So I was like, gain hype for Five. And 5 just perfected it, honestly. Like, the combat is just so great. I feel like every character is really fun to play as. You know, I love Nero's, like, different arms and stuff like that. I really liked his gameplay in uh, DMC4 as well. Um, You know, he's not as exciting as someone like Dante, obviously, but that's kind of hard to do. But I think they did a great job with his different, like, arms, like, all have different abilities and crap like that. That was really fun. Uh, V was super fun to play as, where you kind of feel like a Pokemon trainer, where you could just like send out your little demon guys and they could like attack, and you just stand there watching them kill things for you. I mean, obviously, yeah, input stuff, but it was a very mm-hmm. interesting style of gameplay that I, I didn't think would work too well, but I think it works pretty well, and I had a I had a lot of fun playing as V. And uh, obviously, Dante is just amazing to play as. Like all his weapons feel fantastic in this game. Um, you know, you could do some really crazy stuff and in uh, like. By the end of the game, you're just, like, unstoppable as Dante. Like, you just feel so overpowered <laughs> due to some <laughs> things you get later in the game that it just, it just feels fantastic. Um, graphically, the game looks fantastic. Um, 
and yeah overall i think the game is just one of the best like sort of those like action games i've ever played i don't know what you even call those character action games spectacle game whatever you call them um mm-hmm. like abandoned 2 was up there for a while but yeah i think dmc5 kind of takes that cake right now at least for me um so yeah it's fantastic hopefully we get more dmc games uh but yeah i guess uh, i guess we'll see on that do you have anything to say on uh, dmc5 i know you didn't beat it i don't think but <laughs> yeah and story wise i'm i just like don't even try to oh yeah it, no but... it's crazy like like i mean i think it's crazy <laughs> in a good way but yeah it's it's pretty insanity so but yeah, most of the time when I'm playing this game, I'm like listening to a podcast or something yeah. like that, and, and, I, and I'm just enjoying the gameplay for what it is, and it is really, really good, and switching between the three characters was super fun, um, and yeah, you know, it's it's just a really solid, you know, hack and slash sort of beat-em-up game, and I really enjoyed what I played so far, and hopefully I'll be able to finish it before the year closes out. Yeah. Okay, so the next game I want to talk about is Days Gone. Um, so this is a game that no one really expected to, you know, be good because it just didn't have any hype going into it. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Maybe this game is good. So I bought it at full price, 60 bucks, boom. And I was like, all right, let's see how good this game is. And my intention was to play the game, finish it, make a video on it. Bro, the game's like over 30 hours long. So I was like, nope, Damn. fuck that. <laughs> because the game is just so goddamn boring. Like that is the major flaw with this game is that the beginning is just so boring. It's just hard for you to like get really into it. And I feel like over 50% of the people that bought this game probably didn't finish it. Like my coworker, like me and him bought it and we were like, yeah, you know, it's like kind of fun, you know, it's getting there. And then like a couple weeks later, I was like, bro, did you like finish Days Gone? He's like, hell. Because <laughs> like that game is just, it's just so boring. And like the characters, like the story was just super hard for me to get invested into because you're just thrown into, you know, the post-apocalyptic world. And you kind of have to like figure out as to how this version of, you know, the zombie apocalypse works. Like, for example, with like The Walking Dead, you know, you see, uh, you know, when or like the show, for example, right. you see when Rick was a cop and then he wakes up from the coma. And then it's like, oh, shit, we're in this post-apocalyptic world. So now you're invested in Rick's character because you saw from when he was before everything happened to afterwards same thing for the last of us you saw before everything happened to where we are now in this game you're kind of just thrown into it and it's really really hard for me to like be like all right i care about whatever the hell this character's name i don't even remember what the main character's name is um but like i said gameplay wise it's just you know kind of like generic like this is like the first ever open world sort of like zombie game that i played and i think it's the first ever like big one also you know like a open world post-apocalyptic world game yeah um and you know i was kind of looking forward to it kind of kind of so like it's not disappointing because there were no real expectations set but yeah like what people say about days gone is kind of true because the game is really boring in in my opinion obviously um and it just didn't really do much for me trying to you know get me invested into the game itself and the fact that it's goddamn 30 hours long that is pretty long so um but yeah that's that's my little rant about days gone yeah i was never sold on that game like i i saw that <laughs> game i'm just like man every time they show this game i just like don't care <laughs> like at all yeah mm-hmm. and they kept trying to sell it and i was just eh. all right yeah, but uh i guess i could be more positive because i'm gonna talk about a game that was almost in my game of the year which is fire emblem three houses um 
I love Three Houses. I think this is a huge step up from Fates. Um, you know, my introduction to the series, like I think many other people nowadays, is Awakening. You know, my first Fire Emblem game was Awakening, and I really liked that game. It really sold me on, like, strategy RPGs. And that was when I was really starting to get more into RPGs at that time anyway. So I was just, I was really into it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was very excited when Fates came out. And then I played it. I'm like, man, this is really, it's really weird. This is not really doing it for me. I think the gameplay wise, it was still great, obviously, because you know, honestly, I think the gameplay might have been better than this game in some points. Um, but yeah, overall, it was just like it was very mad in terms of storytelling and things like that. It just it just wasn't doing it for me. But Three Houses comes out and it it really fixes that. I think a lot of characters are a lot more likable than they were in fates uh depending on what house you are i mean I, i've done like one and a half houses so far i did the golden deers with my first one and i felt like like all the characters were really likable you know some of them could be kind of one-dimensional you know some of them are like i, I just like to eat or whatever but i think it, it does feel better when they do like the whole um support conversations like you really do learn more about them um, it's just sort of during the main story, you know, their one-dimensional personalities come out. But once you really get into their support conversations, you know, they all have, like, genuine backstories and things like that. There's not really many joke support, at least in the ones I've done. Like, not too many, like, jokey support conversations. Obviously, there are some, but, you know, they really go into these different characters and things like that, which was nice to see. You know, they take it, you know, they take it more seriously and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, gameplay-wise, you know, it's, it's Fire Emblem. It's, like, the same as it was for Awakening you know, on all the other ones. And, you know, just, it was great. <laughs> like, it's hard to, you know, explain the gameplay of Fire Emblem when you're kind of right, you know. Everyone knows the gameplay of Fire Emblem. Uh, the only major, I guess the only complaint I had with the game was that it was very easy. I played it on hard, and it still felt like I was steamrolling everything. Um, which is weird, because the other Fire Emblem games are, you know, they're, not, they're known to be kind of hard. But this game was honestly pretty easy. I didn't even grind it or anything. It was just, just kind of like that, so... Um, besides that, and I guess graphically, the game doesn't look great either. Like, you know, it's pretty, you know, the character models are whatever, but the backgrounds can be a little muddy and stuff like that. Like, the textures aren't that great. But overall, I think the gameplay and the story and just the overall length of the game, like, you get, like, four different, like, like full stories, basically, with a bunch of different characters and things like that. And they all feel really different all in one game. Like, Fates did that... Uh, with three separate games and they weren't good. <laughs> Fates, I mean, uh, uh, three houses does that in one game and it gives you uh, like four like different stories to go through. So yeah, the game just it just has so much content. Like I haven't even scratched the surface and I beat the game once. I'm like halfway through another like campaign right now. So yeah, the value of this game is insane. I think the story is really good. Um, the characters are way better than even in Awakening. I think the characters are better than Awakening. Um, and yeah, just overall, it's just a fantastic return to form for the series, and uh, I can't wait to see what to do with the future games because this was a great like stepping stone into the Switch. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, hopefully I'll be able to jump back into Three Houses. Yeah, it's long. Surprisingly, so. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, when I did my uh, Switch in review or whatever, it was my most played game of the year, and I was like, huh, but. I beat Yoshi's Crafted World, so I'll talk about that now. That was a pretty sick transition. Oh, yeah. Um, Yoshi's Crafted World. So this is a game that went pretty much below everyone's radar, especially if if you're talking about, you know, year-end sort of, you know, videos where it's like, all right, which game, you know, did you most enjoy this year? I'm pretty sure no one's going to put Yoshi's Crafted World (laughs) in, like, their top three. Like, most people aren't. But if you do, you know, the game is still, like, pretty good and really, really solid as, like, a Yoshi platformer. And I really did enjoy my time with it because, you know, the whole, like, going into the foreground and background and all of this other stuff was pretty cool. 
uh, but I feel like it was a little underutilized, uh, especially with the whole mechanic of you going backwards in the levels and like stuff like that. Like that was just more of like extra things and it just didn't really do much for me personally. Uh, but I do still think that Wooly World is a much better game, but still Crafted World is, you know, a solid Yoshi platformer for the Switch. And, you know, if you want, you know, just a pretty good platformer on your Switch, you can't go wrong with this game, honestly, because it is pretty good. Uh, despite my complaints, you know, it's not as good as its predecessor. It's just like with Life is Strange 2, but Crafted World is still, you know, a really, really good and fun platformer. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of interested in it, and I heard some people say it was just fine. I'm like, I'll probably... I mean, I say I'll wait for a sale, but, you know, Nintendo games don't do that, so... <laughs> First party Nintendo XD. Oh, boy. All right, so now this is my actual game of the year. I know we're not... I don't know if we're really doing that, but this, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> this is my game of the year. So this is uh, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. I know it's kind of cheating, because it's not even really a new game. It's just an expansion, but it's just very, mm. very good. Um, just the plot, like... Basically, you bought this expansion and just feels like you gained a whole RPG. It took me like 60 hours to really like do the whole main story. So it's, it's, you're just buying RPG at that point, plus the MMO stuff at the end, which is kind of how Final Fantasy XIV always been. That uh, like you know, obviously the the dungeon design, boss designs, and stuff like that are amazingly well done. I think um, you know for that MMO cooperative play, but it also like takes a story and characters and stuff really seriously, where it feels like you are just playing an RPG as well. And it just it just nails it the most in this expansion. Like the story was just fantastic, the music was great. Uh, a lot of the plot points from previous expansions really like ties into this one and really ends it in a great way, while still leaving enough for future patches and stuff like that to explain you know further the story more. So yeah, it's just, it's just great. Um, I love the uh, the two new classes are really cool. Like Gunbreaker is really fun, and Dancer was a lot of fun as well. Even though. Um, you know, I'm not... That probably should have been a healer, but it's a DPS for some reason. But whatever, it's, it's better for me because I like DPS. But yeah, overall, I think like Shadowbringers is just great. I can't really talk about it without going to spoilers. But um, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy XIV, then you know you probably already played it. And you probably agree with me that it is the best expansion so far. And if you're new to the game, I think... Well, they're going to redo the whole first bit of the game since it's kind of really slow. And it's turning off a lot of people from the game. But what after that ha after that patch happens, I feel like a lot of people should at least give fourteen a try. Because Shadowbringers is just fantastic. It's probably the best RPG i played this year. And uh, Fire Emblem was close to beating it, but uh, no, nah, I think Shadowbringer still beats it out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. I, I love it. <laughs> Can't really go into much of it without spoilers. And you know, gameplay wise, you know, it's Final Fantasy. It's an MMO basically. So yeah, it's it's great. I love it. So yeah. Okay, so I'll try to be positive on this next one. Link's Awakening oh, on the yeah. Switch. So this was a game that I was keeping my eyes on constantly. Uh, you know, in direct C three presentations, etc. Uh, just because I love cutesy art styles in video games and also it's a remake of a 2D Zelda game mm -hmm. and I love 2D Zelda so I was like alright this is definitely up my alley so it came out played a little bit of it I think I'm like maybe one fourth of the way through maybe a little more I'm not entirely sure but I didn't get the chance to finish it but from when I did play of it it's pretty fun you know it's just you know just like Link's Awakening but on the Switch in HD with a new button layout because now we have more buttons on the Switch compared to the Game Boy so that's good makes it more 2019 friendly as I say it uh, but yeah you know overall like it's a pretty fun and solid Zelda game now at $60 however that's like the main thing that I really hate about this game is that it retails at 60 bucks right and for a remake 
eh, that's a little hard to sell. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the game still sold well because it is Nintendo we're talking about here. Uh, but in my opinion, I think 40 maybe even $50, like that would have been the max for me, but I still bought it, obviously. Um, but I think that if, if you're going to do like a remake sort of thing, you know, Nintendo should try to, you know, cut the price down, especially for Link's Awakening. Because this game is kind of old and it's been re-released on like, you know, the virtual console and stuff like that many, many times. So, yeah. Yeah, I also feel that the price point is just way too much. Like, I love Link's Awakening. Um, you know, it's, it's a really great Zelda game, but I feel like this $60 remake for like a Game Boy game is kind of a, it's kind of steep. So, yeah, I feel like that's his mm -hmm. major downfall. Definitely. But yeah, next we got another Nintendo game, uh, Mario Maker 2. Um, I never played Mario Maker 1, uh, actually, um, which was, I kind of regret, so I'm happy they made uh, a sequel. Because uh, I think it came out pretty late in the Wii U life cycle. It was like 2015, I think, Mario Maker 1 came out. And that was the point where I was like, I didn't really care about the Wii U anymore. Um, so yeah, Mario Maker 2 um, is a great way to uh, experience this if you didn't. Because uh, I know Mario Maker 1 was just such a phenomenon when it came out. Like, oh, you're able to make your own Mario levels. Like, that's just like such a cool concept. So now making that in a system that's... I know it was on the 3DS as well, but, you know, it, was, it wasn't that great. So having that on a portable system and be like you know and also in a popular system just like that's great because now more people are able to experience it plus make more levels and things like that so that's great and for me personally i i also like i love it you know i love these buildy games you know i loved little big planet when that came out and this kind of fills me with that same joy that that game did um that added story mode was a really nice touch you know when the game first came out you know there wasn't too many levels out just yet because you know the game just came out so uh, having that story mode to really like you know help give some play time initial play time was great. Uh, it really showcased a lot of the cool things you could do with different mechanics and things like that in the creative mode. And um, you know obviously you just got good levels. You know you got like a hundred good levels by Nintendo themselves. So that was, that was a great addition that didn't really have to be there, but it's great that it is. Um, the building itself feels pretty good. You know, it probably feels better with a Wii U gamepad, honestly. That's probably the only thing that thing was good for, was, like, I guess making your own levels in Mario Maker 2. But um, I, I think it worked really well uh, with the controller. Like, I, it takes some time getting used to, and the tutorials kind of help you out. Um, but after a while, I, I was able to make some pretty... Well, not good levels, but I was able to make some levels, and it felt, <laughs> it felt pretty good. Uh, so yeah, overall, Mario Maker 2 is fantastic. Uh, they just added a new update where you can play as Link and stuff like that. That's awesome. I really hope they add more gameplay styles, like uh, like uh, Mario, uh, what do you call it? Super Mario Brothers 2, you know, where you could pick, like, plant stuff and stuff up and throw them and stuff. That would be cool to see uh, a gameplay style like that. But uh, yeah, Mario Maker 2 is fantastic. I'm glad it's on the Switch, and it's great. I love it. Okay, so next game I got here is the Man of Madon. I honestly kind of forgot that this game was going to come out. Me too. And then <laughs> our friend Louie was like, oh, yeah, this game's going to come out. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll buy it um, and see what all the fuss is about. So this is from the people that made Until Dawn. And it was pretty much like their, f you know, new anthology series. Yeah. So uh, the way that we played it was like the movie night mode where like every single person in your party, I guess, gets to control a character. Right. So we did that. And it didn't work all that well. <laughs> uh, so first up, when you're waiting for other people to like, you know, like for your turn to play, it's like unpredictable as to when you're going to play and how much time you're going to be able to, to play. So 
most of the time when we were playing, we were like, all right, let's just like try to speed around this and just fucking get this shit over with. Cause like it, the story itself was also like kind of generic and really boring. Yeah. Um, and you know, they can't make it like a pretty long adventure, like until dawn, because that would have been really, really bad. Um, if they did do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just, it just didn't hit the marks that I think it wanted to. Um, the story not being all that great, the uh, the movie night mode just not being that good either. I think the other mode was better from what I heard, but even then, I'm just I'm just not motivated to pop the game back in, anyways. Uh, but hopefully, they have I believe two more games in this anthology series to try to you know clean it up and you know make it better. Um, but yeah, the the Man of Madan did not have a good start to the uh, you know anthology series. Oof, yeah, that's sad to hear that because I know until Dawn was pretty popular. <laughs> Alright, so again, another Nintendo thing. Astro Chain. So this is from Platinum. This was like the new IP. And, you know, this game kind of, like, it came out pretty quickly. They showed off E3. I'm like, that looks really cool. And I'm like, oh, it's made by Platinum. That's even better. And it came out like uh, like like a year later or something. and then, Or not even a year later. I think it was like a few months later. Um, but yeah, the game came out and it's very good. You know, um, this kind of is a trend with Platinum now where they, they're really mixing different styles to their gameplay. Uh, I kind of started with Nier, where, you know, obviously that game was more action RPG than just, like, that standard action Platinum was used to. Um, this feels more like a mix of Bayonetta and Nier, where there's a lot of RPG elements in the game. But the the combat stuff definitely feels more like Bayonetta, where there's a lot more cool things you could do than Nier. Um, it also does have a more heavy emphasis on story, like Nier did. Even though I, I don't think it's as good as Nier at all, but it's still... It, it, was, it was still, like... Like, it was very generic anime stuff, but it was fun to go through. Um, Gameplay-wise, it was fantastic. I think the whole um, the whole Astral Chain mechanic was like, really cool with your little... I forgot what I called them. Uh, oh, Legion. Yeah, you have a little Legion dude who, like, follows you around as well. And I thought it would be... It's, it's kind of like V, right? It's like V on crack, <laughs> like, um, in DMC, <laughs> where you're able to really con- uh, control your Legion and, like, fight as one. And it feels so good when you pull off really cool things like that. It, it's just a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I think Platinum really like did a good job with this. Um, obviously, the game could use some improvements in some areas, like story and stuff like that. But I know they said they want to make this a trilogy, and I think Astro Chain sold really well. So yeah, it's probably a no-brainer they're going to make a sequel. And just like Bayonetta 1 to 2, I'm sure Astro Chain 2 would just blow 1 out of the water. And I really think Astro Chain 1 is great. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the future for this series as well. Also, graphically, the game looks great for a Switch game, by the way. Like, I, I barely notice any, like, dips in frame rate a lot of the time, which is fantastic for, like, a Switch game. And it looks as good as it does. Like, it's it's kind of impressive how they were able to do this. So yeah, if you're a fan of, like, Platinum games or just, like, those action games in general, then I think Astro Chain is a great addition to that as well. Okay. So the next game I got here, uh, very quickly, Tetris 99. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that game did come out this year, and it is free to play. And this one was a game that I did not expect to like as much as I did, just because I love Tetris, but, like, you know, a Battle Royale sort of, like, Tetris game that seems, you know, kind of weird and quirky, and I was like, all right, let's see how this Tetris sort of spinoff game works. And it's pretty good. Uh, obviously, if you're like super good at, at Tetris, you're gonna like consistently like, you know, win. But me personally, I'm like okay at it. You know, I just enjoy playing it and uh, stuff like that. But you know, it is a battle royale sort of thing, so you just gotta be the last one alive against all of these insane players. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just it's just 
competitive Tetris. So yeah, can't really go wrong with that. <laughs> I'm horrible with it, but yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, so you know, I'm gonna talk about Shovel Knight again because I didn't get to talk about it because my dog was like bothering me. All right, so I'm gonna talk about <laughs> it again because I didn't really get to do a good job talking about. It. So King of Cards is very good. Uh, like I was saying before, you um, the there's just so many different levels in this game. And, like, every uh, level just has, like, a new mechanic and stuff like that that fits with the theme of that world. So you, I, I never felt like I was doing the same level twice. Like, it was very impressive how they were able to do so many different mechanics in this game or every. And, um, and again, it shows that Yacht Club, you know, are really pushing the limit, like I said, with this engine or every. So I'm kind of happy they're moving on. But it's also sad because they, I think they did a fantastic job with all the campaigns of Shovel Knight. And this felt like a nice conclusion to that, like, to this, like, series, I guess. Um... And, yeah, just overall, I, I feel like just the gameplay of King Knight was just a lot of fun. He was, had a lot of mobility. It was just great. Um, his different, like, relics and powers and things like that were, like, super fun to use. Uh, they felt more situational than Shovel Knight or in, any of the other knights. But I felt like they had, like, they were just fun. Like, they were more goofy and fun. But, uh, yeah, definitely felt more situational. Um, and, yeah, they, again, just felt like a great conclusion to this series. And I can't wait to see what they do next. Um, so, yeah. If you haven't picked up Shovel Knight at this point, you really should. I, I would say it's like probably my top three indie games up with like Isaac and Gungeon and things like that. Uh, maybe top five. Celeste is somewhere up there too. So yeah, if you're a fan of platformers, then definitely pick this up. I think, I know the, the giant treasure trove, which comes with everything increased in price, is like $40 now. But honestly, you, that, it's worth the price. Like you, you get like four amazing games, plus you get like that Smash Brothers mode, which is in there now. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, lo it's a lot of fun. I love it. So yeah. Okay, so the last game I'm going to talk about is The Walking Dead, the final season. Mm -hmm. uh, so when this game was, you know, still coming out, we had the whole Telltale Games thing shut down last year, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are, is this going to finish out? You know, because despite what you will say about the last season, A New Frontier, uh, you know, this was the final season, and many people wanted to see Clementine's story end on a somewhat you know of a decent conclusion and i was in that same camp and i was like god damn it we're not going to get this conclusion and then skybound games picked up the pieces and was like all right we're going to you know finish the last two episodes and they brought back most of the crew from the you know uh telltale games studio to finish this game out and overall you know this is a pretty decent conclusion to Clementine's story I wish things went a little bit differently at the end but you know I can't really do much about that because those are the endings that they wanted to give us it is what it is uh but overall you know like it is still the Walking Dead Telltale thing and it still works uh but I'm glad it ended because I think a lot of people are getting really tired of the uh Telltale IP uh or not the Telltale IP the uh Walking Dead IP right uh because it's just been around for so long and the whole zombie craze is kind of just like old and over and done with sort of thing. So I'm glad that they, you know, decided to end Clementine's story with this final season and making it very clear by naming it the final season uh, or whatever. So very ha We're not l happy with it, but, you know, I I'm just glad that it's over. Yeah, sort of thing. it's good to have a conclusion than it just dying. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, so I also have one more thing here. I got uh, Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Uh, again, not much, too much to say about this, as you know, I already talked about Monster Hunter World like ad nauseum already. But again, Iceborne is a is a great expansion. You know, adds a bunch of new monsters. It gets very hard. Um, 
And I thought Monster Hunter World is a little bit on the easier side compared to the other the older Monster Hunter games because it's a lot more forgiving, you know, since the game wants to appeal more to newcomers, which is great. Um, but yeah, Iceborne really does like kick you, kick you in the balls. It's it's hard. <laughs> like like I hit like one of my first walls in a while because uh, the monsters are just so much more aggressive in this game than they were in the uh, base game, which is great. I, I think the game should get harder at this point. Um, but yeah, I love the new environment, the new snowy environments and things like that. Uh, from what I heard, the end game is a lot better than the original Moss Hunter World, um, since you have like this whole other air- end game area instead of just um, going back to older missions and doing like like more grinding and things like that. It actually feels like you know like a newer thing you're doing. So yeah, Iceborne is a fantastic expansion. And I'm glad Capcom in general has just been doing great. Like, you know, with Monster Hunter World and now Iceborne, DMC5, the Resident Evil remakes. Like, it just seems that Capcom is really back at it again, which is great. Because they have a lot of great IPs. Also, the Mega Man 11 came out this year? No, that was last year, right? I think it was last year. Okay, because I'm like, that that was a good game. (laughs) I know that actually came out this year. No, that came out last year. Yeah, it came out. Like okay, that. okay, right, talking about it. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, there was a lot more games I wanted to play. You know, I, I still haven't gone to play Outer Worlds, or uh, I know I really want to play Jedi Fallen Order as well. Uh, Borderlands Three is another game I really want to play, but uh, you know, not enough time or money to do any of these things. And next year's like, yeah, next year it ain't gonna get any easier. This is like a yeah. billion things coming out, and like, there's just not enough time to do anything. So. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm very excited for next year uh, in terms of games. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of great games. Again, I haven't played this year. And yeah, I mean, overall, I thought, I thought it was a pretty good year, honestly, games-wise. Yeah. Maybe a lot, mm-hmm. you know, obviously weaker than t- 2017, but I think we're stronger than 2018, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that I wasn't paying attention all that much when it came to, like, game releases because I was focused on my thing. Uh, but, you know... There were definitely a lot of, like, really good games, especially in this later half of the year that came out and really surprised a lot of people, like Outer Worlds, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, next year, 2020, like you said, we're not stopping. Yeah. <laughs> we are not stopping with the new generation. And, yeah. New generation on the horizon at the end of next year, along with all of these other games coming out in between 2020, uh, which we will talk about more extensively in terms of what we're super excited for uh, and stuff like that. But... Overall, I think 2019 wasn't that bad of a year for gaming overall as well. So yeah, so that, that's it. That's the last, yeah. the last one for 2019. <laughs> yeah, that's all we got for 2019, and we will see you guys in 2020 with uh, a new episode. Yeah, so we see you guys later. Peace. Bye. <laughs>